0: Our gospel this morning is from John, chapter 12, verses 20 through 43, and can be found on page 1671 in your Pew Bible. John records, Now there were some Greeks among those who sent up to worship at the festival, and they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. With a request, they said, "'Sir, we would like to see Jesus.' And Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. And Jesus replied, "'The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. "'Very truly I tell you, "'unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, "'it remains only a single seed.' But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. Where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it and said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus said this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard "...from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man?" And then Jesus told them, "...you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going." Believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of light. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus left and he hid himself from them. And even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe, because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and he spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise from God. This is the gospel of the Lord Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Today is a great celebration. Godly pilgrims from all over the world have made their way to Jerusalem to celebrate. And the population of the city grows larger every day. And the number of people in Jerusalem is so great that many must leave every evening to camp out on the hills that surround the city. There is a a hustle and a bustle of the approaching festival, and soon the people will celebrate the Passover, the great victory of God when he rescued his people from slavery, the slavery of Egypt in the days of Moses. Now, among all the Passover pilgrims who enter Jerusalem this day, one has a different reason for fulfilling the ancient laws that requires all men of Israel to present themselves before the Lord. And he came riding on a donkey, on a colt that had never been ridden before. And his disciples and many of the Passover pilgrims, well, they honor him with praise. As he enters Jerusalem. Yet, our Gospels for this day tell us that there was still a lot of confusion that was concerning this pilgrim who rode into Jerusalem that day. Those who praised him gave him messianic titles such as Son of David, King of Israel, and so forth. And these titles, they would have been accurate if the people would have understood their true meaning. And sadly, truthfully, many thought that Jesus was coming to use his miracle working power to give them earthly wealth, to drive out the Romans, to restore the empire of Solomon, to make Jerusalem the most important city in the world these Passover pilgrims were doing exactly the right thing by praising Jesus sadly truthfully they were doing it for the wrong reasons and the Pharisees were Well, they were also confused. We miss out on the symbolism because the symbol of the palm branch is very different for us than it was for Israel. We are used to seeing the six-pointed star of David as the national and religious symbol of Israel. But down through the years, the palm branch has also been a symbol of Israeli pride. We see palm branches, and and we think peace. But the Pharisees, well, they were afraid. They were afraid that the Roman soldiers would see the palm branches and think Israeli resistance. They were terrified that the Romans would interpret the noise As some sort of uprising, and they would send troops in to shut it down. Then, there were the Greeks who came to to see Jesus. And we focus so much on Israel that sometimes we forget that God has his people in other nations as well. The Greeks were godly men, but they had not entered into the formalities of the Jewish system. Even though they were not formal members of the Jewish religion, they looked for the coming of the Messiah. And they had heard the talk, and, and, and they may have said this, could this Jesus of Nazareth be the Messiah? They wanted to meet Jesus. But we know as Gentiles, they were not free to move about the temple grounds. And so they they asked Philip to relay their request to Jesus. And Philip found Andrew, and they both went to Jesus. And then, if you remember, Jesus answered them. He said, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, no doubt there were some who heard these words who said, well, it's about time. And now we'll see something really spectacular. And it's no doubt that there were a few among the disciples, even among the disciples who were enticed by the palms and the hosannas of the crowds. And they were probably thinking, now Jesus will reveal his true royal nature, now! Jesus will drive out the Romans and establish his kingdom on earth. And as quickly as these temptations arose, they were dashed. Because Jesus continued, he said, "...truly, truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone." But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now I imagine some in the crowd saying, what did the preacher just say? Did he just say that his glory is to die and be buried like a seed? Now, for years, Jesus kept on saying, My hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. And now, here in Jerusalem, after the glorious parade, up into the temple, Jesus finally states, the hour has come. And the hour refers to his death. And how can death be glorious? It is interesting that Jesus spoke of himself as a seed you see thousands of years earlier thousands of years before he took on humanity in the womb of a virgin he came to visit Adam and Eve in the garden and it was it was a sad journey adam and eve had just eaten the forbidden fruit and as he laid out the consequences of sin He promised that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head, but at a price. The serpent would bite the heel of the woman's seed. And now Jesus was in Jerusalem to take the poison of the serpent's bite while he crushed the serpent's head. And the poison would kill him and he would rest like a seed in the earth. And then, just as the seed germinates, so also would the Son of Man leave the ground, and he would bear much fruit. Jesus regularly, consistently, and clearly proclaimed his suffering, his death, and his resurrection he clearly proclaimed this as his glory. He clearly proclaimed this as our salvation. And even so, his disciples, the crowds who sang his praise, the Greeks and the Pharisees were consistently confused. They just didn't get it. They were unable to understand the greatest expression of the glory of God lies In Christ, on the cross, where he suffered for all in order to forgive the sins of the world. Jesus wants you to to have a share in that glory. And in order to share in his glory, you must die. And Jesus said, whoever loves his life loses it, And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And Jesus used the word life in two ways. Life here on this earth and eternal life with him. And those who love the life of this world will lose their eternal life. And those who die to the life of this world already have eternal life. And that is what holy baptism is about, as the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this to Romans 6, 3 through 5. Paul writes, Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. There was a lot of confusion on that first Palm Sunday. Few, if any people, understood the reason Jesus came to Jerusalem that day. We, however, have no excuse for such confusion. The Bible plainly states that Jesus came to Jerusalem on that day because he had an appointment with a cross, on the next Friday. And this coming Thursday and Friday evenings, we will meet here to focus on the gifts that Jesus gave us with his passion. We will focus on the sacrament in which Jesus gives his body and blood to us for the forgiveness of sins. We will focus on his death on the cross in which Jesus earned forgiveness for all our sins. And as we meditate on that death, let us also remember that Christ's death is my death for my sin. Next Sunday, next Sunday we will focus in a special way on Christ rising from death to life. And let us also remember that this is my resurrection life. Let us remember what the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write in Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the life of the baptized believer that is continually dying to sin and rising again to new life in Christ. This is the way it is for the believer until our Lord takes him out of this valley of sorrows to himself in heaven. There we shall wait for the final days when our bodies will rise to immortality and we shall live forever on the new earth where there will be no need for death because there will be no sin. And while we live on this earth now, we look forward to that day when there is no death, but only eternal life. In the name of Jesus, amen.